uh, thank you for being here tonight. Um, for those of you who are guests with us, um, welcome. Uh, we hope you just make yourself right at home. Um, there's only one body of Christ, amen. Uh, lots of uh, different flavors and, and uh, uh, you know, some folks very formal, some folks less formal and everything in between. But if, if you're a born-again believer, you're a part of us and we're a part of you and we're all a part of Christ. And so we're glad that you're here tonight. Amen. Um, Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, it says, A good man, <clears throat> out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil. That word treasure, it, it, perhaps it was used in a different way when Jesus initially said this than we use it today. When we think treasure, or let me not include us all in that, let me just speak for myself. When I think treasure, I think like, like lost treasure, hidden treasure, you know, th that, that kind of thing. Um, think treasury, treasury. He, he's talking about um, a deposit. So when he says a good man out of the good treasure of his heart, he's talking about what has been deposited in that individual's heart, okay? So a good man out of the good treasure of his heart. We're, the only thing that makes a man or a woman good is if they have a good heart. God looks on the heart, not the outward appearance or, or even the outward behavior. Sometimes our behavior uh, is, is not a true reflection of, of who we are in Christ uh, inwardly. But a good man, out of the good deposit, out of what's been deposited in the treasury of his heart, he brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure or evil deposit, brings forth evil things. Now, a lot of times when you hear someone teach on this, you hear them teach only about words because certainly Jesus in the context here had some things to say about words. For instance, in the, in the verse above this one, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or it's what's in the heart is going to come out of the mouth. But when he says things here, he means things and not words. In other words, this is more than a good man says good things. But he's saying a good man from the good deposit of his heart brings forth good things. Not just good words, but literally things. And what gives us the context for this verse is the one that precedes it where Jesus talks about the fruit and the tree. He says either make the fruit good and the tree good and the fruit good or the tree evil and the fruit evil. And so that sets the context for what he's saying here. Now, if some of this sounds a bit foreign to you, I understand that because it's, it's a good bit to try to wrap our minds around, but the Holy Spirit's going to help us tonight, amen? It's going to help us tonight. Um, let, me, let me step aside from this just a second. We'll come right back to it. But um, Dr. Miles Monroe, he's with Jesus now, but he's written a lot of books. I've learned a lot from, from Dr. Monroe. And one of my favorite quotes from him is this. He says, man's greatest ignorance is of himself. Man's greatest ignorance is of himself. And what he means by that is we understand so little about the way we were designed to function, the way we 
we're created to work, right? Now, full disclosure, I am uh, on the, uh, the high end of the curiosity scale. I, uh, I like to know how things work. Uh, when I was a kid, you know, mom and dad give me something for Christmas or my birthday, and, and uh, I played with it for a while, but just a matter of time, I was going to be looking for a screwdriver to take it apart. I, I wanted to know what made it work. Um, in particular, we had a car that it would you'd rev it up and let it go, and it would shoot sparks out the back of it, and I wanted to know what was making that happen. And so when it comes to how something works, it's always interested me and how we were designed by God to function, to work, is something that's always interested me. And the good news is He has explained it for us. He's given us the answers to these questions um, in His Word, in His Word. And the reality of it is most people, again, their greatest ignorance is of themselves. They, they, they know more about an internal combustion engine. They know more about computers. They, they know more about outer space than they know about their own existence and the way their Creator designed them to function. So if this sounds foreign to you, let me remind you of the tree that Jesus is referring to, a fruit tree or, or a tree, I mean we could even talk about leaves or we could talk about pecan trees or walnut trees or hickory nut trees or, or apple trees, pear trees, peach tree. Um, the fruit or the nuts or the leaves that, that come upon those trees, upon the branches of, of those different trees, that fruit comes from inside that tree. It comes from the inside of the tree out. Am I right about this? It, it, again, you know, and they say there's no God. I mean, you know, I don't know how that sweet, soft, juicy apple comes out of that hard wooden tree but it's in there and what's in there comes out of it and so when he talks about a good man from the good deposit of his heart brings forth good things he wants us to have in mind what he just got through talking about and that is the, 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 the way a tree functions the, the way fruit comes on a tree um, I've said it so many times, I don't want to just belabor it, but for some reason every year when we you know, pull out the Christmas tree and, and start putting the decorations on it, and we start hanging those ornaments on that tree, you know, a Christmas tree doesn't produce ornaments. You have to bring them from a box and attach them to the tree. An apple tree, however, no one comes and hangs those apples on those branches. It, they're pushed out from the inside of that tree outward. And this is how God created you and me to function. He created us to live from the inside out. He created us in such a way as to have an internal spirit connection with Him so that everything that we will ever need or, or ever will be is found in Him and, and flows from Him into us through that spiritual connection. And then once it flows from Him into our hearts, it then flows forth from inside of us outward. Jesus said that He was going to satisfy our hunger and our thirst, the internal needs and desires that every human being has. Again, things that we don't really understand that much about. 
and that He would give us water to drink that would forever satisfy our thirst. And when He first said this to the woman at the well that day, she basically said, after kind of being skeptical, she said, well, basically, you know, if, if, this, if what you're saying is true, give me this water so I'll never have to come back to this well again. Well, the, the well that she was talking about, of course, was a physical well where they pulled water up out of it. Again, notice she's taken something from outside of her into her to satisfy a physical thirst. Jesus said, the water that I give you to drink will be like a wellspring of life inside of you, springing up inside of you and satisfying you, not from the outside in, but satisfying you and what you need from the inside out. Can you see this tonight? This is how we were designed to function. So again, you were created by God to live from the inside out. Most people on planet Earth are living directly opposite, or they're trying to live directly backwards to that. They're trying to live from the outside in. They're trying to find what they think will satisfy them by finding stuff outside and hanging it on their life like a Christmas ornament. And that's not how God created it to work. That's us forcing something. Right? We're forcing those ornaments to stay on that tree. We've got little hooks and we, we hook them on there. And, and, and the really nice ones, you know, we, we turn the branch up a little bit, that artificial tree, right, so that that, that heirloom ornament doesn't hit the floor and, and, and break. You, are you follow what I'm saying? In other words, we're, we're, we're taking something and we're trying to force it to look a certain way and to have certain things on it. None of us walk into someone's home and see a Christmas tree and go, man, what species of tree is that that produces those gold and red ornaments? Man, i got to buy me one of those. You know? No, we know that it, it's coming from the outside in. So again, the real fruit that will satisfy you is not something you find in this world and hang on your life. It's something that comes from inside of you outward. Now the Bible says that God's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Where are they? Inside of you. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Where are they? They're inside of you. You say, that don't make sense to me, Pastor Mark. Well, the apple tree don't make sense to us, but we've all enjoyed apples. Amen? Are you following what I'm saying? The pecan tree doesn't make sense to me, but I sure do enjoy some pecan pie. The point I'm making is, this is, again, it's a, it's, when I say a mystery, I don't, I don't mean in such that it's a mystery that it can't be understood. It's a mystery in the sense that it's divine. It's otherworldly. And if we can understand these things in nature, how a seed, trees are in seeds. See, you, that apple, by the way, that's on that tree, guess what's inside that apple? <laughs> More trees in the form of seeds. Amen. And so how that works, we don't understand, but we take it for granted about everything else except for ourselves. We think that everything else functions this way where what's, what's in them comes out of them, but somehow we're different. You are no different. As a matter of fact, all of those things in nature are, for, are, for, are signs, if you will. It's, it's ways that Father is trying to help you understand how He created you to live and to function, right? So again, it's important. It's, there's a whole chapter in the book on it, right? One of the great mistakes we make is we try to satisfy the inward hunger of the heart with the outward things of the flesh. And it simply will never work. But Jesus identified Himself in John 4 and then again in John 6 as both the bread of life and the living water. 
And he's talking about a bread that will satisfy us inwardly and water that will quench our thirst inwardly. There's, there's not enough things in this world. There's not enough pleasure in this world to satisfy the inward hunger and desires that we have. Amen. The appetites that we have. Now, turn with me, with that in mind, turn back with me now to Proverbs chapter 4. Because when, when we talk about these things, it's like, well, okay, you know, that's just one verse, Pastor Mark, and that's what you think it means. No, the Bible has a lot to say about this. Matter of fact, he says that, that he wants us to be like trees planted by rivers of living water that bring forth their fruit in their season. Can you picture that, that beautiful, healthy tree planted close to a, a river um, being constantly uh, nourished uh, by the water in that river being pulled up from the roots, uh, the roots pulling that moisture and, 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 and those nutrients up into that tree and it, and it being so, so healthy and so productive and so fruitful. Again, Father is saying that he wants your life and my life to be like that, that we would be like the tree planted by the river of water, bringing forth our fruit in our season, bringing forth fruit. Where does the fruit come from on a tree? Again, it comes from inside that tree out. Now, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. If you don't have these verses marked in your Bible and you mark things, I would, I would highly recommend that you not only mark them, but, but I would even recommend you spend a, a few minutes memorizing uh, these verses. To, to me, they are, they are that foundational. They, they are that uh, Im important uh, to life. I think these should be life verses. In other words, obviously we live by the Word of God, but there's a lot of words in that Bible. Amen. We need to start nailing some of them down that become daily life verses for us. And I, I highly recommend um, that these become verses that you are not just familiar with, that, that maybe you commit to memory, but verses that are in the forefront of your mind on a daily basis. So this is what he says. My son, <clears throat> give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Remember when Jesus taught us to pray? He said, pray after this manner, saying, Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus is teaching us how to pray and pray successfully. The disciples had witnessed. They were men of prayer, but Jesus also was a man of prayer. And they recognized that, you know what? Jesus' prayers are answered every time. Maybe not so much for theirs. And so they asked Jesus one day. They said, Jesus, you know, look, you pray, we pray. You get answers. Sometimes we don't. You know, help us. You know, teach us how to pray. And Jesus says, follow this example. Begin with our Father who art in heaven. Do you realize what he's saying there? He's saying that Jesus' dad and my dad are the same. In other words, he's my father. Jesus didn't say, you pray to my father. He said, pray to our father. Now, in a broader you know, view of this, what is Jesus revealing to us? That God wants us to approach him as father. Is he God? You better know he is. And we should never lose sight of that. One of the things that I confess on a regular basis, that he's the potter, I'm the clay. He is infinitely more to me than potter, and I am infinitely more to him than clay. But I can't ever lose sight that he's the creator, I'm the creation. But once we get that established, we then need to remember that he invites you to come to him as father, and he sees you as son, as child. And so notice, my son... My son, 
He's not saying this as a domineering tyrant. He's saying this as a loving Heavenly Father who only has what's best for you in mind. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep in the midst of your heart. Now, do you see the tie-in here between the verse we looked at in Matthew 12 and now in Proverbs 4 where he says, keep them in the midst of your heart. The Word of God has to be deposited in your heart. I'm going to say it again. The Word of God has to be deposited in your heart. When he says a good man out of the good treasure, good deposit of his heart brings forth good things, if there's not good things in your heart, you're not going to be able to bring good things out. Amen. If the tree's bad, it's not going to produce good fruit. Amen. So he's saying, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. I know I've explained this so many times, but just one more time if I could real quick. Give attention. We, we would say pay attention. It's very easy for us to be, you know, in a meeting and, you know, whatever's being said. Some of you, not tonight, you're, you know, you're not Wednesday night, this is Sunday night. Sunday night crowd, y'all are obviously serious about the things of God, you know. But, you know, it's, it, I'm sure it's happened over the years. You know, I'm up here preaching away and somebody's, you know, thinking about the roast beef they're going to have for lunch or, or what have you. So pay attention, right? This, this is talking about um, a deliberate, intentional act on our part. And, and the enemy is a master of a lot of things, deception being one of them, distraction being another. So very easy, you know, we're, we're sitting there with the answers we've been looking for our whole life coming out of somebody's mouth, and we're not paying attention. So he says, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Incline the ear implies there are a lot of people talking. There are a lot of voices. When you incline the ear, this is when you turn your ear towards the person you want to hear and you put your hand over it. In other words, you're trying to single out their voice above all the other noise. There's lots of noise in our world today. There's lots of people who give you all kinds of advice and tell you what you need to do. Listen to God. Let Him tell you. Let His words have the number one place in your life. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Again, this is speaking of a deliberate, intentional act where we keep the Word of God in front of us. We, we spend time with it. Do not let it depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. You'll never keep it in the midst of your heart if you don't keep it in front of your eyes. It's just not going to happen. Whatever you have in front of your eyes is what's going to be ultimately in your heart. So if we don't keep the Word of God in, in front of us, right, then it's going to be very hard for us to have His Word in our heart producing His results. Now, we're not going to have time to get there tonight, but let me, let me at least mention this. Jesus taught some parables... Um, some, duh. Jesus taught a lot of parables, but he taught one parable. He taught one parable that he said was the master parable. And it was the parable of the sower, the man who plants. And that was a parable about the planting of the Word of God. And the soil that Jesus refers to there is talking about the condition of individual hearts and how that's received. But notice again how this ties in with the heart, what's in the heart coming out um, of, the, of, the, of the being, out of the person, um, and, and producing things, either good things or bad things, in their life. And I think it's 1 Corinthians 3.9, the Bible says that you are God's field. 
You are his garden. In other words, your heart, where was our, think about it for a moment. Our flesh was made from what? Dirt. You got it right. It wasn't a trick question. Our flesh was made from dirt, right? And so the idea is that God wants to take the incorruptible seed of his word and plant it in your heart so that his word, seed, will produce word results in your life. Everything that you need in life, you can find in the Bible in seed form. And this is why we need to keep it in front of our eyes, keep it in the midst of our heart, for they are life to those who find them and health, literally medicine to all their flesh. And so we mentioned this this morning, I'll be brief here, but what does it say about us when we are more serious about taking medicine we've been prescribed than we are about keeping the Word of God in front of our eyes and in the midst of our heart. I mean, we're like drive back home because we forgot our medicine. When have we ever driven back home because we forgot our Bible? Do you, are, are you understand what I'm saying here? And I'm, I know, praise God, I'm trying to beat you up tonight, but, but the, the, the point that I'm, I'm trying to get you to see here is that if we would begin to, to, to recognize the Word of God for what it really is, it's life, to those who find them. Think about what he's saying there, just in that first phrase of verse 22, they are life to those who find them. What's the implication there? Not everybody finds it. Not everybody finds the answers that God has so provided. He said that we perish for a lack of knowledge, not because there's no knowledge available, but because we've rejected the knowledge that he's provided. So they're life to those who find them. The Bible says that God has hidden wisdom for you, not from you. If you hide a key outside your home, you hide it for the people that you want to have access to your home, but you hide it from people that you do not want to have access to your home. So hidden for, hidden from. When, when he says that he has hidden wisdom for you, he's hidden it for your benefit, but he's hidden it from his enemies. But because it's hidden, it's going to require somewhat on our part, some effort to find it. Is it worth the effort to find it? Have you put forth some effort and found some truth that's made a difference in your life? Amen, see? So it's life to those who find them, and then again, medicine to all their flesh. I love that part right there for a lot of reasons. Number one, because we see that the Word of God is not just something that will help us spiritually. I think that's what sometimes, if people see it any way at all, they see it as, well, you know, it's the good book, it's, you know, words of spirit and life, and so this will help us with our spiritual problems. Yes, it will. And it'll help you with your mental problems, it'll help you with your emotional problems, it'll help you with your financial problems. It'll, it, there's not a problem in your life that it won't help you with. And including physical health. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. I could spend the next hour showing you cases in the Word of God where the Word of God was spoken and sent and people were healed. And when they got home, you know, they went, asked Jesus, could you help us? Could you, you know, and, and when they got home, it turns out that the, the, you know, they marked the clock. Let's just say, I'm just throwing out a random time. At, at 11.39 in the morning, Jesus said, your servant's healed, you know, go your way. They get home, find out that 11.39, he just instantly was healed, right? He sent his word and healed them. 
So the Word of God contains within it the power of God. And when it says it's medicine to all your flesh, literally, literally, it will make you healthier, physically healthier. There's another reason, though, and it's, it's a little more subtle here. Flesh, notice again, the Word of God in your heart producing a result outwardly, right? Your heart's the internal part of you, the inward part of you. Now he says this Word is like medicine. It's, it's life to those that find it and health to all their flesh. So it's, it's, it's first if you will, result that it's producing, working its way outwardly from you, um, is that it's causing your physical body even to be healthier. Well, that's good news right there. Do you believe that? Amen. All right. Now, let's look at this last verse. Praise God. Verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart. We, some translations, and this might help you embrace more clearly what he's saying here, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. For out of it spring the issues of life. There's different ways that we might could, I guess, try to help connect with this. Have you ever, um, like on, on my particular computer, if, if, I, uh, if I download some software, uh, it, it gives me a warning. It says something to the effect of, you know, this program was downloaded from the Internet. There's potential problems and issues here. Um, are you sure you want to allow it access, you know, to your hard drive? Um, and it, even in some cases, I have to approve it by putting in a passcode, right? If you've never done that, do you at least understand the concept? So, in other words, what, what, I'm an Apple computer guy, so don't judge me. It's just, you know, praise God. And, but that's how it works in the, in the you know, Mac OS. Um, any, anything that didn't originate from Apple that I want to allow access to my hard drive, they give me the warning because there could potentially be a virus. There could potentially be something with, within the inner workings of that program that I've now put on my hard drive that could then corrupt all the other good things in my hard drive and alter or hinder the way my computer functions from that point forward or even kill it all together. Yes? Are you understand what I'm saying here? All right. So when he says keep your heart with all diligence, he's saying that we, we need to be aware of what we allow into our heart for out of it spring the issues of life. In other words, let's go back to the computer example. If if what I'm allowing access to the hard drive has no ability to affect the way the computer operates, then there's no reason for all the fuss, right? There's no reason for the, are you sure this is safe? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you, are you aware of what could happen if you do this, right? Would to God that, you know, we had those kinds of warnings that just flashed up in front of us, you know, throughout life, right? Say, hey, hold on a second there, big guy. Are you sure you want to do this? You do understand if you let this into your heart that this could alter the things that your heart produces in your life reality. But if you think a bad piece of software can mess up a computer, my friend, lies and, and deceptions and things from the enemy that we allow into our heart, right? This is why he's saying keep your heart with all diligence. 
Because your heart is very, very important. It's the source of your life. And I'm not just talking about, again, we, we've got the physical organ that pumps oxygenated blood, you know, throughout our bodies and back to our lungs to pass off the bad gases and get the uh, fresh oxygen, that sort of thing. Um, we're not talking about the physical organ of the heart. We're talking about that inward man, this, the combination of your spirit and soul. He says, from that inward part of you spring forth the issues of life. Everything that is um, a, a part of your life right now has come from inside of you. Now, that's, that might be the, the, the more challenging or the most challenging statement that I've made all night. But, but again, if we believe the Bible, that's a true statement. And so, out of the good deposit of the heart, a man brings forth good things. Out of the bad deposit, evil deposit of the heart, a man brings forth evil things. Evil things. That's not, see, again, he's not just talking about words, and he's not just, when he says evil things, he's not just talking about sin. Depression is an evil thing. Fear is an evil thing. Are you hearing me? It, it doesn't come from God. It has torment, the Bible says. Anxiety is an evil thing. It's not of God. Worry is not of God. Is anybody listening to me? Y'all done? Are y'all ready for me to finish this up? Amen. Praise God. What time is it? Amen. It's not of God. But those things are coming forth to the surface in our lives, again, because there's something in our heart, the source, if you will. We, we use this example. If, if something was to, to somehow contaminate the main water line coming to this building, every water fountain, every sink, every toilet, everywhere water flows in this building would be contaminated because the main line coming in, the source, if you will, has become contaminated. Pam was telling me about a big sewage spill they had, I think, I forget where that was, y'all see that on the news, you know, and they said, Something about don't get in the water for a few days. I'm like, don't get in the water for a few days until 2025, maybe. I mean, you know, you're right. In other words, because there's, something's been contaminated there, right? So the point being, if, if we get so caught up and even deceived by the issues of life, we never consider the source of those issues. If you want to change something, change it at the source, Change it at the source. And, and so this is, among other things, what he's trying to help us see here is that the heart, the inward man, is the source of our outward issues. And you'll never change those outward issues permanently until you change what's going on in your heart that is producing them. Okay, a couple more verses. Praise God. I want to show you um, verse 23. Uh, from the uh, Passion Translation. And it, and it says this, it says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Amen. Amen. All right, so just to wrap it up tonight, and I hope you've got more out of it than this, but if we can all leave here with this understanding, we're going to call it a win, all right? You are responsible for what is allowed in your heart. 
I, I can't keep your heart for you and you can't keep my heart for me. Encourage one another. We can encourage one another. We can, you know, try to, you know, be accountable to one another and, and uh, be open and, and honest and these sorts of things. But when it comes right down to it, I have no control over what you are going to meditate upon as you drift off to sleep tonight. If you're going to sit there and allow troubling thoughts, Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. How many of you know, we decide whether or not we're going to let our heart be troubled. Either we're going to sit there and think about things that trouble our hearts, or we're going to redirect our minds to something, our thoughts to something that God has said, the truth, the answers that he's provided in his word, and we're going to allow those things in our heart. But you're the gatekeeper. I know this is secular, and I, praise God, just forgive me, pray for me, don't judge me, amen. Um, but think of it like a bouncer, right? Big dude standing at the door, you know, wanting to see if you paid, you got, you got your ticket, what, whatever. In other words, that individual is responsible for who comes in, who's let in, and who's said, no, you can't come in here, right? And so you are the bouncer, when it comes to the doorway, lift up your heads, O ye gates. You, you are responsible. The Lord will help you, but He can't even do this for you unless you cooperate with Him. And so we need to realize that you know, there are certain things, and we'll look at this some more you know, in the days ahead. There are certain things that the Bible says that we need to allow in. Again, we keep the Word in your hearts. Keep it in front of your eyes. Don't let it depart out of your mouth. You know, just on and on, right? But then there are a whole other category of things that we need to keep out. One of the strategies that Jesus revealed to us in that parable of the sower was that the enemy wants to come and plant other things in your heart that will grow up in your life and choke out the fruit that the Word of God is producing. So you are God's field. But the devil's trying to plant things in your life that will negatively impact what's being produced in your life. All right? So we said it this morning, we'll, we'll end with this statement, all right? Let me tell you how you shut the devil down. You shut him down by shutting him out. You shut him down by shutting him out. You cannot keep the devil out of your life if you do not keep his thoughts out of your mind and his affections out of your heart. Not ever going to happen. You shut him down by shutting him out. Amen? You say, Pastor Mark, I just can't help myself. That's not true. Yes, you can. We may be, we may be very undisciplined in our thinking, but it's time to start getting better at that. Amen? All right, stand with me this evening. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So how do we shut him down? We shut him out. We shut him out. Amen. Father, thank you for helping us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for revealing your truth and understanding to us. Thank you for feeding us tonight. Father, with the, with the meat of your word, watering um, uh, your seeds, in your field that is our heart, Father, with your word tonight. Thank you, Lord, that, that, 
that there is a new crop, Lord, that's coming up in our hearts that's producing fruit unto eternal life. Lord, good things. We're tasting and seeing that you're good. And Lord, not just by witnessing in other people, but we're, we're tasting it in our own lives, Father. And we're thankful. And Lord, I thank you for these men and women that are here tonight. Father, I thank you for, for what you're doing in their hearts and their lives, in their homes and their families. Thank you, Father, for the future that you have prepared for us and the one that you're trying, uh, Lord, to lead us into. And we're learning to cooperate with you, Father, towards that end. And so, Father, thank you tonight that we are going to keep our heart, not with some diligence, but with all diligence. We, we're going to leave here purposing to do that tonight. But, Father, you can't do it without us, but we can't do it without you. And so help us, Father. We ask you to help us tonight. Father, troublesome, worrisome thoughts, reliving past hurts. Father, negative self-talk, all, all these things, Father, the enemy just thrives on, Lord. Help us, Father, to put those things away from us and to allow the truth of your word to flood our hearts and minds and fill our souls with peace and joy. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen and amen. I love you. Your love. Thank you so much again.